Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. As we were singing that song, I'm Surrounded, I was just reminded there's a story in the Old Testament of Elisha. He was a prophet and the, the enemy king used to do plans and God would speak to him and he would prepare the people of Israel to, to be in a different place instead of where the trap was set. Happened twice and the, the king of Samaria said, what's going on here? Someone's a traitor and says, no, no. One of them said, no, it's the prophet Elisha. He hears what you're talking in your bedroom over the other side of the country and he knows exactly what you're going to do. And they said, well, we've got to take him out. So they send this huge army to capture one man. And Elisha, one morning, he wakes up and his servant goes and opens the curtains and he looks out and says, we're surrounded, there's tens of thousands of troops to come and arrest this one man. Elisha rolls over in bed and says, it's okay, there's more with us than with them. And this guy's saying, what? He hasn't looked out the window yet. And then Elisha said, open his eyes to see what's really going on. He goes back and looks out and this time... He sees all the enemy troops and then all the hills are filled with angels of fire that he can now see in the spirit realm of what's happening that he couldn't see with the natural eye. And that's what that song's about. You can have lots of challenges in our lives, but when you're walking with Jesus, let me tell you, God's greater within us and around us than any challenge we face. And sometimes our minds can't understand what's going on. And I just know that the Spirit of God is here to help us. And there's some people that are seriously ill and there's some great challenges. One of the young ladies who used to come to our church, Laura Conroy, she got killed in a car accident in Burrell on Friday night. And she was only a young adult. Her mum still regularly comes to church. I talked to her mum last Sunday night and tragically in a car accident. There are great needs around. If you've got something that's surrounding or overwhelming you, let's reach up to heaven right now. And maybe on behalf of others, let's just pray. Father, Father, our hearts reach out to you. I pray for Anne and the family, Lord, as they go through the pain of this tragedy. Lord, others that are walking through difficult things with family or friends that are ill or overwhelmed or brokenness. God, I thank you that you are greater within us and around us. Lord, help us not to be overwhelmed. Lord, at times we're confronted with difficult, painful things. But Lord, your grace is sufficient. And I just pray, Father, that you would surround us. Lord, be with the Jeffcott family. Lord, be with others that are going through very difficult for, for Richard and Gwen White and their family situation. Lord, I just thank you for your grace. Your grace is sufficient. And I thank you, Lord, that you are greater. You are greater. I thank you for that now in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone shouted? Amen. Amen, which means so be it. Give someone a high five and let's take our seats. God bless you. Wow. A few others there. Great to be in church and just to be in the atmosphere of his love and presence. And uh, I just delight in our awesome, awesome God. I want to share for a few minutes today about Jesus is. When you're in the middle of pressure, you've got to keep lifting your eyes to Jesus. Stay connected to him because he is so much greater. And Jesus is. John 14 verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, there's a lot of troubled hearts around. 
Jesus was speaking this just a few days before he went to the cross. And he'd been telling the disciples that he was going to die on the cross. And they're troubled saying, no, you can't do that, Jesus. They were overwhelmed saying, how are we going to cope without you? So he speaks right into their pain. I love Jesus because he confronts the reality that we're in. He doesn't sort of beat around the bush. You know, some of us, we don't like to confront too much. So we sort of go around in circles and hope people get the hint. Jesus just lovingly comes and says, hey, the reality is you've got to face this thing. You've got fear or grief or pain or you've got a challenge or you've got choices ahead. Jesus comes and says, don't let your heart be troubled. He comes right to the heart, but he does it in a loving, beautiful, powerful way. Then it says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll just stop there for a minute. And we're going to talk about that. Jesus is the way, the truth and life. But before that, he's talking about eternity. And I remember Danny Guglamucci was here a couple of weeks ago and how we were all so impacted by his preaching and stories. And one of the things that kept coming through after his son died um, last year of being struck by lightning and, and all the challenges he'd walked through, he said, you've got to remember eternity. We're going to live from eternity and to eternity. And there are things happen in this life which just don't add up. The tragedies, the pain, the sickness, the, the losses, the brokenness, you think... Why would that happen? We can't explain everything with our natural minds. But when you've got an eternal perspective, Jesus is preparing a place for us in eternity. And I always think, well, if you're preparing the place, what materials am I sending up ahead for him? What fruit is in my life? What, what faith and walk? He says, believe God. And I believe we need to face this life with eternity in view. One of the pastors that I knew him gain but for long-term character, for influence of people, for sowing seeds with people's lives. Make right, good choices for eternal perspectives, not just short-term pain or need. And I think that's really, really important for our lives. So it goes on. Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. There's so many people searching for identity and a fatherhood over their lives and for a father uh, image or picture or support or identity. Jesus came to bring the mystery of God the Father into flesh. So if you wrestled saying, well, I'm not sure about how to connect with God as Father, just connect with Jesus as Son because He will fully reveal the Father. That's the main reason He came. Because a lot of people see God as distant or judgmental or uninterested or angry. Whereas Jesus came 
And he brought life. He, he, he brought the mystery of heaven to earth so that we can connect with our amazing, loving God. And so if you're wrestling with the Father, God, and image for whatever reason, get to know Jesus. Let him get to know you, and you will start to see all those other issues start to come into a place of understanding and uh, reality. Then it goes on in verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do what, whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Wow, wow. <coughs> I think sometimes we ask way too small. We don't have enough faith there to, to really believe. But God wants to challenge us to keep as you know the Father through Jesus, then you'll be in relationship and confident to keep asking, believing for greater things for ourselves and for others. And last Sunday I talked about being carriers of the stretcher. Let's bring people into the presence of God. Let's carry them. Let's sow the seed in love and carry one another into the presence of God. And it says greater things. How can you do greater than Jesus? He was just amazing. We do greater because he was Christians all over the world. So we're doing greater in numbers of miracles and sharing the gospel. There's greater because they're coming from your heart and life and bringing great praise to our God. And there's so many ways you could look at what does that look like. But let's go back and look at verse 6. One of the well-known passages of Scripture, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow, the way, the truth, and the life. Do you realize that the way was a name that was given to Christianity even before the word Christian was used? In Acts 10, it says they were first called Christians at Antioch. A Christian is one who follows Jesus or one who is like Christ. Boy, if that's the truth, a lot of people shouldn't use the word Christian over their lives because some of them aren't much like Jesus at all. It's a serious thing to call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why some people aren't followers of Jesus, because they've seen his representatives that don't look much like Jesus at all. And God's calling us to be followers of him, close. And it says at least nine times in the New Testament, it called the people who are followers of Jesus, the way. That's what they were called, the way. And uh, in Acts 19.23, it says, about that time there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. That was where the big riot happened in Ephesus and, and where they were getting rid of the uh, idols and whatever. So it was called the way a long time before it was called Christianity. So Jesus truly is the way of life. He's the way for us to live. He's the way for eternal life. He's the way to discover your purpose and destiny. He's the way when you feel lost or uncertain. He's the way. You're going to be wrestling through stuff. You come into a worship time and you walk out saying, wow, I know what I'm meant to do. You've turned me around in that prayer time. I've opened the word and all of a sudden I've got clarity of how to live my life in a better God-honoring way. He truly is the way. But there's a lot of people wandering around lost, uncertain about their future. Um, the other thing is Jesus is the only way, not one of the ways. And so... What did Jesus talk about when they said, what's the signs of the end times? The first thing he said was, beware of deception. 
There'll be lots of people saying, I'm the way, or this is the philosophy, or this is the way. But Jesus is the only way. And so you talk with people, and uh, they've got all sorts of religious books from various false religions, and they're reading all of them, and then you give them a Bible and say, where does it fit? this fit with all the others? I say, well, that one's definitely wrong. This one looks like it's Christian, but they've changed the, the meaning of who Jesus is in it, and this is the truth. And so Jesus is the only way. And you'll hear philosophies that say, well, Jesus is one of the ways. We've been to India and preached over there. They've got up to 300 million gods there. I don't know how they can think up that many. But there's, people end up following all sorts of gods. In Australia, we don't always follow other spiritual entities, but we follow our own way. We follow our, uh, the God of pleasure, the God of comfort the God of materialism. We follow our own ways instead of Jesus being the only way to life. Acts 4.12, Peter said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now this might seem foundational and simple, but I've found I need to be reminded. We just honoured Billy Graham last week because he passed away um, a bit over a week ago and there were thousands at his funeral service and I heard him live in Sydney in 1979 with 80,000 people at the Randwick race course. And he preached the most amazing but simple message, you must be born again. He just talked about Jesus. He said, you must be born again. Not become religious, not try and understand all the Bible. You must be born again because then you have relationship with the Father and then your life is transformed. And I know there's, there's several people in our church that have talked to me the last week said, we came to Christ in a Billy Graham crusade in Brisbane or we were in Melbourne when uh, he preached and that's where I made my decision for Jesus. And uh, I shared last week that that was the closest Australia's ever come to a, a major revival because in 1959, one third of all Australians heard Billy Graham, Graham preach live around Australia. One third of the whole nation showed up to hear Billy Graham preach. That's awesome. And there were... There were Hundreds of thousands of people made responses to Jesus over our nation at that time. And I know, I know that God's going to draw in the hungry and the lost. And uh, as our nation gets darker, the cry for hope and salvation gets stronger. And we're gonna, we need to be ready to share that Jesus is the only way. Do it with grace and clarity. Don't knock all the other things that people believe in. Just, just focus in on Jesus because Jesus, the truth has a way of just blowing away the other stuff. And bring them into an understanding. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Well, so many, even of us, before we knew Christ, we're heading our own pathway and it leads to destruction. Short-term gain and long-term pain. <clears throat> and that's what God wants us to know, that there's a better way. The Bible says our own hearts are deceptively wicked. That's a pretty full-on statement. We're not that bad, are we? We're good people. But without Jesus, we can end up deceiving ourselves and going down pathways that lead to destruction of homes and families and our lives and our health. But in Christ, there comes a freedom and He truly is the way of life. I love uh, Psalm 25, um, verse 10. It says, The ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of His covenant. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. What a beautiful thought that is. Show me your ways. We don't need to pray, 
just God, show me your power and your acts and your miracles. Show me your ways because if I live in your ways, then I'll have blessing over my life. And many of you have taught your children to do that. And some of us are in church today because someone discipled and mentored and coached us. So he's the way, he's the truth. Pilate asked that great question, what is truth? When um, he was uh, interviewing Jesus and had the opportunity to release him, but didn't. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wasn't full of one or the other. Some of us are full of grace and mercy and compassion, but we struggle to confront the truth. Others of us, this is what the truth is, just suck it up and deal with it. You need a little bit of grace and mercy and compassion with it. So sometimes we lean this way, or that way, Jesus was full of both. That's why I love reading the Gospels about how did Jesus treat people that were caught in sin, those that were religious, those that were searching and questioning. He came and he brought the right balance of grace and truth to connect with where that person was at. Didn't preach a sermon at them if they just needed some loving support and encouragement to be understood. Other times he challenged them and says, hey, you need to get your life on track. And so... I just love that, that he is full of grace and truth. And whenever I feel like I'm veering one way or the other, I say, Lord, just help me. Help me to center again on being a person full of grace and full of truth. They're not opposites. They are Jesus living through your life. And, and it's a challenge to have that. And the Holy Spirit will nudge you if you're heading down one track too much or the other. And uh, if your personality tends one way or the other, because the mercy people, they just love grace. And the teachers, they love truth. But we need both. That's why God will put you, marry you to someone who's the opposite of you. Or there'll be a couple of kids in your family that are the total opposite and you will grate and struggle and try and make them like you, but that never happens. You need to understand that God's put that in them so that you can grow and mature. That's why couples that have been married for 50, 60 years start to look like each other and speak like each other and they finish each other's sentences because they've learnt to grow and be rounded in the maturity of Christ. And uh, that's how beautiful it is. In um, John 1.17 it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in our world where there's so much deception, lies, hypocrisy, fake news, whatever that is, it's, you know, people put stuff on news and it's not even close to the truth. I was talking to a reporter years ago when they were training, one of their bosses said to them, we'll try and get the facts, but if we can't, that's okay, we'll just make up the story and no one will know the difference. This is what the editor was telling this junior reporter, this is years ago, and that's been going on for a long, long time. And it's almost impossible to nail them and get the truth and the facts because they hide behind all their other stuff. How sad is that? Everyone suffers when what's supposedly the facts is nowhere near the truth. Oh, we didn't have time to ask them, so we'll just assume what the rest of the story is. How sad is that? Jesus come for us to live in truth. My mum and dad taught me, honesty is not the best policy, it's the only policy. Because if you start lying, you've got to have a very good memory to remember who you told what in the story. And I'm not 
I can't remember well enough, so I just found the easiest way just to tell the truth all the time, and then you haven't got to try and remember what you're told to who. And, and God wants us to live in truth, to be centered in Jesus, and to it confronts all the deception, the confusion, the situational ethics, the distortions of reality. Jesus is truth, and the Word of God is truth, and let's stay living in that. It's a much better way to live because Jesus is the way, the truth. When you follow Jesus, he will lead you into truth. Listen to him and follow him. I love the Sozo ministry and other counsellors and they have principles that when you're walking through stuff, you're addressing stuff, then you say, ask the Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Jesus, what's the truth about me in this situation? What's the truth about my identity? What's the real truth about my attitudes? What's the truth about the journey you're taking me on? What's the truth about how I see you? And if you listen, he'll start to speak clearly, lovingly, and truthfully to you. And that's the doorway that you walk into greater freedom. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if we live in a form of deception or lack of understanding, or don't really believe that God loves us, no matter what everyone else said, says it will just won't go in here. So the truth is he loves you and God needs to help get that through to your heart and soul. And it's powerful. So he's the way, the truth and the life. John 1, 4 says, In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Many reject his life due to fear, deception, the lies of the enemy, religion, offences or strongholds. And uh, I was there with Mary Lynn as we were talking to this gentleman in hospital and you could see his heart being touched and then he put the wall up and he was just too scared. I don't want that God stuff. But a seed had been sown in his heart. And we pray for him every day now. Since I, give him, I left my card with him. We pray for him every day. And we're believing that he's going to come to Christ and get healing and hope for his life. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Wow, wow, wow. I was watching the uh, internet news yesterday and all the rains are getting out west up at Mount Isa and some places have rain for the first time for seven years. There was a four-year-old child who's now 11. The last time they had decent rain was when they were four, when Cyclone Yassi went through. And so they're all excited. They've had 300 mils of rain, so everything's underwater. There's mud everywhere. They're just out there having an absolute ball. The animals are jumping around. What's this stuff falling from the sky, you know? And there's a picture of a guy filming the McKinlay River that hasn't run for years, and the water's running down, surging down the dry riverbed, and he's filming it as he's going. And he's... I thought it's life-giving water to the dry bed. And he's saying, don't stop, keep coming. This guy's on the phone, you know, it's commentary. I'm thinking, wow, that's what it's like with Jesus when his living water comes and it brings life to our souls. It refreshes our, our searching minds. It brings hope to our hearts. It brings freedom to our spirits. And what's become, what could have been a mundane, difficult, overwhelming situation now all of a sudden becomes life and hope. And you've got a reason to get out of bed every morning, knowing there's challenges and decisions, but there's life flowing. And that's the life of the Spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are 
life. That's why I love the Word of God. That's why I love reading the Gospels. That's why I love letting the Holy Spirit speak because He brings words of life. I thank God we live in a country of Australia that has a basic sense of sanctity to the value of life. I've been to India and other countries where that's not the case. They have different religions and believe in reincarnation. I think if you die here, then you might come better, better, come back better next time or you may come back worse. What a, what a crazy perspective that is. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I thank God for our doctors, for our nurses, for our paramedics, for our SES, emergency personnel, for surf lifesavers, they all value and do everything they can to rescue people and maintain life. That's a God-given perspective on life now and for eternity. And thank God for all of us that have that perspective on life, natural and spiritual life. And that's a, that's a God thing because other countries haven't got godly foundations. They don't have that same perspective on the value of life now because they don't understand eternal life properly. I think, thank you, Jesus, that you are the life now and eternity. And that's why the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why abortion is such a destructive process. That's why suicide is, is so damning and breaks people's hearts. And, and I understand the pain and brokenness, but for people to go into that over the edge, it's, it's such a shame because it's not from God. And we see euthanasia and they, they're trying to do that. It, they're all from the pit of hell to try and destroy life because life is from God. When he breathed into the Adam and Eve, there was life came. It was a breath of God. That's why we breathe. The word pneuma, spirit, means breath. So every time you breathe, you're reminding yourself that God's the author of life. Wow. Wow, God, you're so good. You're the giver of life. You're the sustainer of life. You're the giver of eternal life through Christ. And we need to value him and one another. My heart breaks every time I have to do a funeral. Because there's always some people there said, I wish I would have said this to him. I wish I would have hugged him some more. I wish I would have done this or that. We sometimes just don't value life for what it is. The beauty that it is. And none of us know what tomorrow holds. We trust in God. We need to have eternal perspective. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I've determined a long time ago to live my life wholeheartedly, passionately, and as free as possible. And I don't always succeed at that goal, but that's my passion. I can't believe I turned 60 last year. I don't know what, how, how that happened. I just do, still baffles me. How did that happen? But I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 17. On the 13th, 30th of November, the day I finished grade 12 at school. And I thank God that I encountered his love and grace at that time. I was brought up in a Christian home, but I had to make my choice. And God challenged me on that night. I was at a youth rally, had one of those scary second coming movies that get your life right with those distant thunder or something that Jesus coming back are you ready you know anyone remember those <laughs> yes <laughs> but it wasn't just that it was it was like the Lord spoke to said are you gonna are you gonna let me lead your life or are you gonna be do it yourself 
I said, Lord, I'm not doing it on my own. Please come and help me. And I'm so glad. And I determined that I'm going to live my life passionately for Jesus from that day on. And uh, it's an exciting adventure. Challenging. There are things that overwhelm you and that questions come. You think, God, I, that, I do not understand what's happening. But I've learned not to try and live out of here, but to live out of here and live in understanding of who he is. And God wants us to have that in our hearts and our lives. So I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Live our lives from eternity. Make decisions in the light of eternity. And lastly, it says that Jesus has come to reveal the Father. Just get closer to Jesus and he'll reveal the Father's heart. He'll bring identity and hope and purpose to your soul. In the Amplified it says, um, in John 14 verse 12 it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do and he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I'm going to the Father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I will do it. I think we've got to ask some bigger things in God. We've got to believe and keep stretching out and trusting Him and see what He will and wants to do through our hearts and our lives. As we know Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, one last scripture I just wanted to share is Romans 1, 16 and 17. This one stirs my heart often. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus makes a challenging statement when he was teaching one day. He says, if you're ashamed of me now, how's it going to go when you get to eternity? It's not a condemning thing, but it's a truth that we need to understand. He said, if you're ashamed of me now, that I won't speak up for you in eternity. I think, geez, that's pretty tough. But no, he's trying to get to our heart. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The Amplified says, for in the gospel of righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. Wow, wow, wow. How awesome is that? We trust in God. It's a, it's a faith journey. Just like Elisha's servant had to see by faith the angels surrounding them. Do you just see your present situation that's crowding in and surrounding? Or do we lift our eyes and say, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to follow you. Let's stand in his presence today. God is so good. I just love his presence and love his word. Take a deep breath. And as you do, it's spirit and life. Life to your body, the oxygen. What a miracle that is. I'm not a doctor, but I've talked to some of the doctors and, and, and whatever. And I think, hey, breathing, what an amazing mystery that is. The blood that flows through us. What an incredible creation of God. Oh, Lord, you are so amazing. Father, we just ask for your grace. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.